Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Appreciate the finish. Whoa! See y'all Let's go. Whoa! You won't be a champion. Oh! You got a chance for a championship today. And happy Friday. The weekend is here, and so too are the two teams set to vie for a national title, or at least soon enough. Both Alabama and Georgia are due to arrive in Indianapolis in just a bit. Holly Rowe beat them to it. She's already there covering the Crimson Tide and joins us now with what to expect. Holly? Well, thank you so much, Wendy. Alabama is actually staying in Tuscaloosa until later this evening so that they can have a full practice in shells at their own facility. They will land here, leaving Birmingham on a jumbo Airbus flight, getting into Indianapolis about 6.30 this afternoon. Now, I know a lot of people are focused on what happened the last time Alabama played and beat Georgia, but some things are different, notably offensive line injuries in that CFP semifinal game for the Crimson Tide. Both the right guard and the right tackle, Amel Ekifor and Chris Owens, exited that game against Cincinnati with injuries. I promise you, as soon as they land tonight at the Indianapolis airport, we will ask Nick Saban if they are able to practice and what their availability will be for the national championship game. Holly, thank you, and you're absolutely right. We'd be remiss not to point out that everybody is talking about the rematch. Not so often you get the opportunity for one, but Georgia does. And not only is it a rematch, it's a rematch of AP top five teams for just the fifth time in the poll era. If you're doing the math, that's 85 years. And interestingly enough, in each of the first four matchups, the winner of game one lost the rematch. It will be up to Alabama to turn the tide and reverse the trend. Uh, Georgia, of course, went wire to wire as the nation's top team only to trip up against Alabama in that SEC championship game. Molly McGrath covering the Bulldogs, and Molly joins us now. And Molly, uh, when you talk about Georgia, you often talk about Stetson Bennett. It's been such an interesting journey for the quarterback. I would bet at this point, though, it feels all worthwhile. Yeah, that's right. And today's a very special day in Stetson Bennett's hometown of Blackshear, Georgia. They've declared today Stetson Bennett Day to honor their hometown hero. And our own Holly Rowe got exclusive video from Pierce County High School to show the celebration surrounding it. Bennett's family was there. There were cheerleaders and football players a part of it. There are signs that read, we believe the mailman will deliver. And the entire town is encouraged to wear red and black both today and Monday. And Stetson Bennett really has one of the best stories in college football, a walk-on for Georgia in 2017, and then he left to get...
Thank you, Molly. Great video. And of course, uh, who doesn't want their own day? We're doing, joined now by Tom Luganville, Dusty Dvorak, and Harry Lyles Jr. Uh, we're going to switch gears, though, go back to Alabama because clearly they've done something right for a long time. And Dusty, uh, what, which Alabama offense will we see Monday night? What should we expect? I think the one that we saw have so much success in the SEC championship game, not necessarily the one that lined up and just ran the football at will on Cincinnati. Look, I think that they're going to lean on Bryce Young, lean on Jamison Williams, and I think they're going to utilize some tempo to try to get that Georgia defense tired, keep them on the field, and dictate exactly what they want to do. Look, even if they do have a banged-up offensive line, which we will find out probably not until this game kicks on Monday, I fully anticipate we're going to see a lot of pressure and I think that what we'll see from Bill O'Brien is moving the point where Bryce Young's at. I think some quick sprint outs, play action boots, get him outside the pocket on the move and keep that Georgia defense guessing as to exactly how and where to attack him. I think a similar game plan to what we saw, one that's going to utilize the Heisman Trophy winner and the best quarterback in all of college football. Well, look, if it's not broken, don't fix it, right? But I will ask you this, Luke. So how big of a loss is Mechie? Well, I think it's big because he's been productive. But let's not forget, that, you know, this isn't a football team just pulling a guy out from a rec league and replacing their slot receiver. So whether it's going to be Slade Bolden, whether it's going to be JoJo Earl, the freshman, there's going to be a good player in the slot for this football team. I think that might be getting a little bit over magnified. But I want to go back to the tempo. Uh, right there that Dusty mentioned because I think the tempo affects Georgia really in three ways. Dusty mentioned getting that uh, Georgia defense tired but also secondly I think if you're going to pressure Bryce Young all right, if you're running tempo you're going to have to line up and show that you're pressuring because if the ball's being snapped quickly you can't pressure from distance. You can't try and hide and disguise what you're doing. That's number one and then more importantly you can't substitute. If for some reason Alabama gets Georgia on their heels with their tempo and doesn't change personnel, now Georgia can't change personnel, and you are really tired. When you've got great depth like Georgia has, but you can't rotate them in the game because of Alabama's tempo, you're going to have some problems on defense. Yeah, Tom, you hit the nail on the head, and, and Dusty, you did as well. I mean, look, when Alabama was playing against Cincinnati, one of the great things about Nick Saban is that he, throughout his career, to be honest with you, has had an open mind. He is not a, I'm going to do it my way every single time. He adapts. We saw that against Cincinnati. Cincinnati has two NFL caliber corners. And so Nick Saban said, okay, we're going to run the ball until you guys say that we can't anymore. And at no point did Cincinnati say, you can't run the football anymore. Now, I think with that said, that's not going to be the, or excuse me, the offense that we see today on uh, Monday against Georgia. It's going to be a similar game plan that it was in the SEC title game. They're going to throw the ball out. They're going to spread it out, and they're going to try to get this Georgia defense tired and on their heels, and I think that that's the recipe that they should follow. Well, listen, yeah, I mean, the, the Georgia defense, the, ta the talent is the talent. To get them fatigued may be your best bet. Uh, at this point, and, and again, going back to that SEC championship game, we can't help it. It was just a few weeks ago. It is unfair, though, if you look at the numbers, to say Stetson Bennett struggled, if you will. The Georgia quarterback, I mean, he got them to a 10-point lead, then threw for three touchdowns. Uh, it, it was a night and day, though, compared to the success he had against Michigan. That is also true. Over 10 yards per attempt, a near-perfect QBR, and no interceptions. Here's Trevor Maddich on what Bennett needs to do Monday in this title game. 
Georgia got blasted by Alabama in the SEC championship game. So it's on the Bulldogs to make some changes. Here's a couple of adjustments that I expect to see the second time around. First, get the backup tight ends more involved. Starter Brock Bowers is so dynamic that he draws a lot of attention, and I mean a lot. But John Fitzpatrick at 6'7", 250 is not only a good blocker, he's an outstanding receiver. But this is his only catch of the game. Same way with Darnell Washington. 6'7", 265 with the skills of a receiver. This was his only catch of the SEC championship game. And I expect Georgia to get those two tall tight ends much more involved. Another adjustment is to have counters available off of their best plays. Because if something's working, Bama will attack it. And this was working for Georgia. A short route to hold the linebacker. Then an in-cut against the corner with outside leverage. And a safety who's too deep to do anything about it. This was pitch and catch early in the game for the Bulldogs. But Bama being Bama, saw it later in the game and attacked it. Same route combination. Short holding route underneath for the linebacker. An in-cut against the corner with outside leverage. But this time the safety says, I've seen this movie before. And he comes out of the deep field, sees the quarterback about to throw, and attacks for a pick six. So if you're Georgia, how do you counter it? Let's go back to the beginning of this play and look at the possibility. If that safety is going to be that aggressive because he thinks he knows what he's seeing, all you need to do is run the post behind it because that corner is expecting the safety to be back there. That way you're not throwing the ball into where that safety attacked and really took a risk. These are two adjustments that I expect to see. Use the tight ends more. Use counters better. But you know who expects this kind of thing too? Alabama. If you like chess, don't blink. Checkmate, Trevor. Thank you. Harry, listen, which Stetson Bennett do you expect to see Monday night? I think we're going to see a similar one that we saw from the SEC title game, and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Obviously, you want to see him limit the turnovers. The first interception that he threw in that game was not on him. Brock Bowers kind of stopped running his route a little bit there, and that let battle kind of pick it off and take it to the house on that one. But largely he needs to just keep playing within himself. I think with the Georgia offense, you want to see them kind of pass it early to try to open up the run because I think this time around you're going to want them to have Zamir White and James Cook be a little bit more of factors in this game as they were in the Michigan game to kind of open this thing up and take some of that stress off of Stetson Bennett. You know, Harry, I, I'll tell you, I, I look at some of these clips against Michigan and I see the utilization of the tight end and the running backs in the passing game uh, horizontally, getting the ball out of Stetson Bennett's hand very, very quickly. You know, for me, this is very, very simple. When the quarterback on the other sideline is the superior player, then Stetson Bennett has to play a great game. I don't think he has to wear an S on his chest, but he cannot turn the football over. He cannot have... Uh, negative plays. And so I think that they've got to utilize the underneath stuff, all right, and then take the ball vertical. You know, Dusty, you and I on Thursday on this program were talking about, you know, the use of George Pickens. Well, really, the production in the vertical passing game for Stetson Bennett has been really good, completing 54% of his passes on anything over 20 yards. Those are low percentage throws. He's been very accurate in that area. So I think they got to pick their spots take their shots, get the ball out of your hand quickly, and just be you. Don't worry about what everybody's saying you need to be. We're sharing a brain, man. Look, he's got to play great, 
but he doesn't have to be a hero. And hopefully right. he's not going to try to be a hero. He's got to avoid the, avoid the catastrophic plays. Five interceptions in the last two games against this Clemson Tide defense. So you can't turn the football over against Nick Saban and expect to win. But I'm with you, uh, Tom. I think underneath stuff, I get the running backs involved. I get the tight ends involved. I think quick game's going to happen early for Todd Munkin. Get him into a rhythm. Get the football out of his hands. And look, you got to take your shots. And when you've got a guy like George Pickens outside, who we talked about yesterday, let him go up against potentially backup cornerbacks for this Alabama defense and just tell him before you throw it, hey, I'm going to put this up there and either you go make a play or you knock it down. That's a, you know, that's not a, a, a catastrophic type of play when you've got a receiver like George Pickens outside. I think it's a pretty simple game plan. He needs to play efficient and intelligent and he just doesn't need to try to do too much. Allow that defense to do what they do. Uh, and if Stetson Bennett can do that, the mailman, he's going to deliver. There's nothing wrong with just moving the change. What do we say in golf? Scorecards don't take pictures. Just get the job done. Dusty, I do have to ask you, did you get a day? I mean, you had success at this level. Is there a Dusty Dvorak day in Norman? Or what? If not, no, I think you it's know, time. At Lake Dallas, Texas, they need to have something. I'm with you, Wendy. We need to make a call they, back home, and they need to try to figure something out. Unfortunately, I didn't get my day, but I'll tell you what. If you line it up, I'll show up. I, we'll do a little parade. I'm down for it. All right, listen. Listen, I'm not here for it. We'll, we'll get on that right after this show is over. Uh, right now, though, we got to keep talking about this game because why not? It's college football's biggest prize. And with the SEC championship in the rearview mirror, Alabama and Georgia are getting set for round two. We play a little take your pick coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. from Indianapolis all weekend across our ESPN family of networks Saturday at 9 a.m. Full coverage of Media Day on ESPN2 then on Sunday. Check out Path to the Playoff on ABC at 2.30 and round out the day with Championship Drive at 8.30 Eastern. Right now there, here's a national championship numbers crunch with Chris Felica. For the second time in five seasons, Alabama and Georgia meet for the national title, including that classic from 2017. Oh, Smith wins the national championship. The Bulldogs have blown leads in each of the last four meetings with Alabama. From the point Georgia took its biggest lead of the game, they were outscored a combined 105-17 the rest of the way. The Bulldogs may again be favored over the Tide, as they were in Atlanta, but Nick Saban's team has thrived as an underdog. The rat poison that you put out there this week was yummy. <laughs> Let's go. Alabama has been an underdog three times in the last 13 seasons and has won every game by at least 17 points. Two of those wins came against Georgia. The Bulldogs will need quarterback Stetson Bennett to be better against Alabama. 
He looks and throws intercepted Alabama. The second pick of the day. In losses each of the last two years, Bennett has completed 53% of his passes with five interceptions. He's been sacked five times, and his QBR is a below average 43. In that same span against teams not named Alabama, Bennett has an 85 QBR and a 30 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio. It would also help if Georgia could slow down the Alabama passing game. Steps back, looks long, throws, Jamison Williams, touchdown Alabama! In the SEC championship game, Bryce Young threw 421 yards and three touchdowns. Wide receiver John Mechie III will not be on the field for this one, but Jamison Williams and the rest of the tied receiving core will still be a challenge for the Bulldogs. All right, guys, let's play a little take your pick. Luke, I'll start with you. Who needs to be the best player on the field when Alabama has the ball? Oh, I'm going to be Captain Obvious on this one and go with Bryce Young. And, and I, I think the, the reason why is because he was so close to flawless the first time. And we've talked so much about some of the adjustments that Georgia may need to make as far as pressuring Bryce Young. And listen, pressure bursts the pipe, right? Against Georgia the first time, they brought five or six rushers 44% of the time. He completed eight of 20 passes. Now, that doesn't sound like a good number. It's not. It was the best success rate versus pressure of any quarterback Georgia had played all year. So the question is, how does Georgia decide to pressure him? It's a study Bryce Young, and he's not very big. He's not very tall. Do they pressure him up the middle, get in his face, and flush him to the outside? Do they pressure him based off hash mark in the sense that they want to move him to the boundary, use the sideline as a 12th man? So I think he's going to see a variety of different things to try to force him into that mistake that he didn't make last week or last time, the negative plays that he avoided last time, and that's why he has to be as good, if not better, this time around. Way to go on a limb, Tom, and take the quarter of the Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner, uh, Bryce Young. Hey, look, I'm not going to go on much more of a limb. I got Jamison Williams, and look, no John Mechie, and I know that they got guys to step in, but to me it's kind of like last year in the national title. You knew Devontae Smith was getting the ball. There's nothing you could do about it. His explosiveness is off the charts. Leads the country in touchdown catches of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70 yards, and we saw that the last two time, the last time this, these two teams played when he had seven grabs for a buck 84, two touchdowns. There were 67 and 55 yards. I think Bill O'Brien's going to be creative. He's going to move them all over. It's going to be fascinating to see what Dan Lanning does. Do you go man-to-man coverage? Do you run more of a zone? Do you cheat a safety over over top of Jamison Williams the entire game? He is such an impactful player. You know Bill O'Brien's going to get him the ball. He's going to be creative. The real question is, can the second go-around, this Georgia secondary, contain him and slow him down? Guys, I'll be the one to switch it up a little bit here. I'm going to go with Nicobe Dean from Georgia because of Lug's your guy, Bryce Young. His jersey was spotless last game. It had nothing to do with them playing on that beautiful indoor turf here in Atlanta, and it had everything to do with them getting almost no pressure on him. If they're going to be able to do that this game, and like you mentioned, there's plenty of ways that they can do that. Nicobe Dean 100% has to be involved here. He led the team in tackles for loss during the season. He led the team in sacks. He is the heart and soul of this Georgia defense. As much as we love to talk about Jordan Davis being a big figure on this defense, like both figuratively and literally, 
it's got to be Nicobe Dean. He's got to be able to get to Bryce Young, not just make him feel you, feel that you're there. He has to get hands on him. Otherwise, it could be another hard day for that defense. All right, Harry, I like that. So we'll let you go first with Georgia. Who needs to be the most important player on the field when the Bulldogs have the ball? Okay, so, yeah, uh, I'm not going to go out on a limb here. I'm going with Stetson Bennett. Uh, look, we know what we're going to get out of Will Anderson in that Alabama defense. We know what we're going to get out of those skilled players with Georgia. Stetson Bennett said it himself earlier this week. I, my job is to complete passes to the great players around me, and we will be okay. And I believe that to be true. I think if Stetson Bennett doesn't try to be more than what he is and has the best version of himself in this game, that sets Georgia up for success. And a big part of that, like we mentioned earlier, is not turning the football over. Because when you turn the football over against Bama, especially if you are Georgia, those aren't just turnovers. Those are those, oh my gosh, here we go again moments where you're going to lose the grip on the game against the team that has had your number for the past four to five years. So if they can avoid those things and Stetson Bennett is able to be the best version of himself, I think that he is the most important player with Georgia's on offense. You're definitely right on that, Harry, but I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go with James Cook, and to me, it's about position versatility. This guy can impact the game from the backfield, or you can motion him out, and he is an outstanding pass catcher. He can play in the slot or outside. You can dictate and create matchups if you're Todd Munkin with James Cook. Led this team in yards per carry. Led uh, everybody outside of Brock Bowers. 11 total touchdowns, seven on the ground. Four in the air. We saw against Michigan his ability. And as you see right there, to get vertical down the field, get matched up on a safety, get matched up on a slower linebacker, and take it the distance. He was so impactful in that orange bowl. 112 yards catching the football. Also chipped in with over 30. I think the way Bilbo O'Brien can utilize him in a multitude of ways and dictate some matchups, the versatility of James Cook is vital in this game. And look, he came back and said, we've got unfinished business. Here's your opportunity, Mr. Cook. Big stage on Monday night to complete that unfinished business. Dusty, I think he's going to have a big role, no doubt. I'm actually going to take a page out of your book. You pick Jameson Williams. I'm going to go with George Pickens on offense for Georgia. And you mentioned a couple of the things that are so important about him in the passing game in our last segment. I just think he gives them their biggest one-on-one -on -one matchup. You see him here just on the quick hitter and the quick screen. But it's the wide catch radius, the big body. And you mentioned earlier, hey, come here, buddy. I'm going to throw it up, and we're going to have a 50-50 ball type of day. It may not be perfect. I might put it on your back shoulder. I might put it up high. I need you to use that fantastic body positioning and that hand-eye coordination to elevate and go up and get the ball. And let's not forget, Alabama may not be at full strength on the perimeter. So when the shots are there to be taken, I think you got to count on George Pickens to become their version of Jameson Williams. There is no question that Georgia has to take advantage of every misstep, every opportunity, as good as this Alabama team is. Also, speaking of good, I mean, look, that Georgia defense was the best in the business all season long. Interestingly enough, they had just one misstep, and it did come against Alabama. We'll talk about what this Bulldogs defense has to do differently this time around. seat in the house right now. These fans are ready to see the dogs get after it. We're not practicing to beat somebody. 
We're packing to beat everybody. Team on three, one, two, three, team! Long ball going down to Burton. He's open. Oh, he caught it. Touchdown. Bowers dives to the goal line. You're either elite or you're not. And that's what we've been saying all camp. If I ever lose, then I swan too many. I don't pick and choose. Now I'm always ready. It ain't about how you look. It's about how you hit. Let's go kick the This Georgia defense, they are legit. Pressure, pressure, and slam down. This defense is as good as you'll see in the country. Intercepted! The dog intercepted! Oh my goodness! Boom! Got hit! Look who chased it down! The biggest guy on the field! Jordan Davis! Bowers will take it to the house all the way! Yeah! Touchdown! 8-0 in conference play. They'll be heading to Atlanta. Disappointment for the dogs. They suffer their first loss of the year. The Bulldogs are number three. What it did is reinvigorated our energy. It recenters you. It's a one-game season. We in advance. And it's down. Bam! It's caught. Touchdown. Georgia manhandling Michigan and booking that revenge matchup with Alabama and Indy. We're bringing all the dog nation with us. Yeah, we coming. They sure are coming, and in large part, of course, the Bulldogs have gotten there because of their defense, allowing under 10 points per game. But in the SEC title game, as I mentioned before, their lone misstep, they allowed a season-high 41 points, 536 yards to the Crimson Tide. It was Georgia's first game all season without recording a sack. Here's what Trevor Maddich had to say about the Bulldogs' defense heading into Monday's title game. Alabama dominated the SEC championship game. Here's what Georgia head coach Kirby Smart said about how it happened. We had to look at it and see it. And what we saw was, you know, we had mistakes. We, we, we had situations where they beat us, whether it was defense or offense, they beat us. Then there were times we gifted them something. All right, let's take a look at what it looks like on tape. And it starts with making it harder for Alabama to anticipate what Georgia's defensive assignments would be. Now, Bama wants to run a bubble screen to the right, but they've got a problem. There's three defenders against two blockers, plus the guy who will catch it. So Bama will clear the linebacker out of the way pre-snap. They'll send Jamison Williams in motion. That triggers a new formation, and the linebacker now fires inside according to his new assignment. Now they've got two blockers on two defenders, but no one to catch the ball. So what do they do? They bring Williams right back to where he started, and that cleared the linebacker out because they knew what that linebacker would do. Then there's the gifting, the missed assignments. Starts with busted coverages. Two on two. Well, they should switch it off or stay matched up, but they don't. Both defenders jump on this receiver, and nobody stays on the guy that goes out to the sideline. So now you've got two on one. That's nice. This guy's all by himself, and the safety's pointing, saying, hey, I'm pretty sure in the meeting we said we were going to cover that guy. Well, that's easily correctable. Here's another easily correctable mistake. A three-man stunt. These two guys slam. Normally, this guy comes out for contain on the left to replace them. That's not what happens. We get the slants, but the loop man doesn't loop. He stays on the right in a spy situation. So Bryce Young looks over there and says, well, <laughs> looky here. And he has an easy touchdown. Now, I'm not sure who made the mistake there, but I know it's an easily correctable mistake, as in changing up some of those defensive assignments in the game plan. That's what Georgia needs to do, because if they fix those things, this will be a completely different ballgame. 
Trevor, thank you. David Pollack has already made his way to Indy. He joins us now as, as well. And, David, uh, let's start with what, what this defense must do differently against Alabama the second time around. Well, I think when you saw them play last time, they gave up too many plays that Trevor's talking about, too many easy plays where they're talking about busts, where you made it easy with missed assignments and stuff like that. I think you better make sure number one doesn't beat you. I mean, this, it's pretty obvious Bryce Young's elite, but and Jamison Williams is elite. I'm making the other guys beat me. I'm not going to give up those explosive plays. And, again, that was missed assignments. That was even when you double-teamed him right there on that play, he still got by you. The safety's got to make sure he stays over the top. So I'm not going to let their best play beat me. If Alabama wants to line up Cincinnati style and run the football, I'm going to make them run the football, make them earn drives when they get in the red zone, make them earn it. And totally with you, David. Look, you've got to eliminate explosive plays. You can't have busts and MAs on the back end of this defense. But look, you used to get after the queue. I used to get after the queue. They got to get after the queue, man. Let's not overthink this thing. And whether it's a four-man pressure and you're putting seven in coverage or you want to bring five or six, you want to dial it up and you want to go man-to-man coverage, the blitz, the rush has to get home, and you've got to be able to get Bryce Young on the ground. And, and, you know, you look at LSU, Arkansas, Auburn. Bryce Young was sacked 15 times, and they really struggled offensively. It is really – it's not a big secret. Can you get to the quarterback? When you get there, can you get him on the ground and make him pay? We've talked about yep. this all week, and that's exactly what has to happen. If the Georgia pass rush can get home and continue to put Bryce Young in compromising situations, it's going to give everybody a chance to have – success against that offense. Get after the cue. I like it. Nobody likes you in their face. That's for sure. David, uh, what defensive player will have the biggest impact in this game? Listen, there, there's a bunch of big uglies up front that we talk about a lot with, with Georgia, but Devontae White is the guy that can play the most snaps um, he's a guy that he doesn't talk. He's not talked about a ton, but he's he went, his draft stock has soared through the roof this season. Number 95 in the middle of the screen. He does a, such a good job getting off the ball really quick. Plays so hard. Um, you saw him run down Bryce Young in a situation close to actually this is it right here. I didn't even know it was coming. He trips, falls. Look at the effort to get up, mm. cause a fumble, run down the field. Like Devontae Wyatt is is so good. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter get talked about a lot, but this is another guy that could play anywhere in the country. He's gonna. Have have to be key, rushing the passer, uh, stopping the run, playing a bunch of snaps because uh, he will be asked to do so in the, in, the, in the championship game. No doubt. Trayvon Walker, another guy for you. But I'm going – like, I'm not going to overthink yep. this. I'm going with the Buckus Award winner. Give me N'Kobe Dean. This dude is an outstanding blitzer. He leads the team with six sacks. When he comes, he comes with a purpose. And look, if Alabama's offensive line, if they're struggling, working new guys in – Picking up blitz protection, that's always problematic. I think N'Kobe Dean can affect the game as a rusher, stopping the run in Brian Robinson, also in that underneath coverage. I think that the one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker, all throughout the season, he's got to play that way against this Alabama offense on Monday night. All right, guys, thank you, David. Busy weekend for you. We will talk again soon, there's no question. Uh, meanwhile, College Football National Championship weekend in Indianapolis is the place to be, and that's whether your team is in this game or not. Learn about everything planned, all the events, at www.collegefootballplayoff.com. And don't miss out on the biggest weekend in college football. Georgia head coach Gerby Smart gets another opportunity to best his mentor and former employer. Will this be the day? He talks to Marty Smith about the journey.
Kirby Smart spoke this week about just what it will take to beat Nick Saban in Alabama. Of course, he's 0-4 against his former boss, but he's in pretty good company. A lot of folks are. The Bulldogs have held a lead in each of those four meetings. The problem is three out of the four times it's been a double-digit lead. Here's Marty Smith with more on the Georgia head coach. The great thing about Kirby is he has never, and I don't think he ever will, forget where he came from. He had a lot of influence from a lot of families. Kirby's kind of like the adopted son of Bainbridge. The community is in full support because he is our son. And anywhere you go, people love to talk about and say, that George Bulldog, he came from Bainbridge, Georgia. The people in the community there help raise me. I spend a lot of nights under other people's roofs, and they, they, they take a lot of uh, pride in me being from there, and I take pride in being from there. This is all elementary school. This was in the backyard there at Forest Lane when we lived there. There's Carl and Kirby. They won a jump rope championship thing, and Kirby's got on his Dallas Cowboy shirt. He did uh, love the swim meets, and he'll call every now and then and want to know his times because his children are competing, and he wants to compare his times to their times. Kirby Smart's Georgia roots run deep. He moved to Bainbridge when he was six years old. Georgia, at the time, was the center of the college football world following the Bulldogs' 1980 national championship. When we moved to Bainbridge, it was 1982, and Herschel Walker was at the University of Georgia. Bainbridge won the state championship in football. There's a six-year-old boy that loves sports, and that's going on around him. I think that had great impact on what he wanted to do. As the second of three children of longtime high school coach Sonny Smart, Kirby was constantly around the game, even before he ever put a helmet on. I spent a lot of time at the field house when uh, Dad was working on tape because I just wanted to be there and wanted to be involved. It certainly helped develop me into the leader and coach that I am growing up in that, that environment. From an early age, uh, Kirby knew what was happening. He knew what everybody was supposed to do. Even as a, a young kid, to have Kirby on your team was to have another coach on the field. In high school, Kirby tallied 16 interceptions for his dad and led Bainbridge to the 4A state semifinals his senior year. He continued his football career at the University of Georgia, where he led the Dogs in picks his final two years in Athens and earned first-team All-SEC honors as a senior in 1998. What I remember about Kirby is he was the smartest guy in the room, but he stole a lot of interceptions from me. Like, why? Because if I was there to make a play, I never saw him. He could see everything. He'd just jump right in front of us and catch the ball. I mean, I'm sure there's some clips of that. If you look at Kirby, he just looked like an average guy. But uh, when, he, when he crossed the line and got on the field, he was as good an athlete as we had on the team, really. In 2000, Kirby began his coaching career, first as an assistant at Valdosta State and later at Florida State under Bobby Bowden. In 2004, he joined Nick Saban's staff at LSU, the first of three stints working for Saban. When I met Kirby, you know, he was really young 
only had a couple years of experience. Whatever his role was, you know, he had a lot of pride in performance and he's a great competitor. Once he got into coaching, you know, once he got with Nick Saban, and I saw how he kind of progressed through that system. I started lobbying for him to be the Georgia head coach about three years before he got it. Finally, in 2016, Herbie got the Georgia job, his first as a head coach, back home in the state where his football dreams began. If Kirby could get that national championship, it would just be so much for Dog Nation. Going forward, he will be the new legendary Georgia Bulldog because he played and then he came and coached to another national championship. It'll mean the world to that community. It's been so much fun to watch these journeys go full circle. Stetson Bennett, sort of a similar story, Harry. Uh, but obviously it's a favored son in Georgia. Is Kirby Smart ready for Monday's moment? I think he is. I hope he is. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's going to be a better opportunity than Monday night. And, and that has nothing to do necessarily with how highly I think of Kirby Smarter's program, but... This year is an interesting year because we have had Georgia being the dominant team that we usually view Alabama as, right? And usually Alabama comes in and we're not questioning anything about them, but this time Kirby's going up against an Alabama team. And I think honestly one of the greatest compliments we have given Alabama all year is that they are not the dominant team that we usually expect them to be. And they're still here in the national title. So this is a huge moment for him. A lot of people are trying to put this pressure on Georgia where it's like, hey, are they going to get over the hump like a certain Atlanta baseball team? Uh, I think that they can do it. <laughs> I think that he's ready for this moment, but I don't necessarily think that the pressure is supposed to be anything beyond getting over this one hump. You know, Harry, I, I think it really comes down to one thing. Don't overcoach this. You know, you're Kirby Smart. you got an outstanding staff. You're going to have an outstanding plan. And you know what? You have the horses in the stable to run this race. You can play with anybody in college football. You may actually have the better team this time around. And I, I have no doubt that the coaching staff, Kirby Smart, and everybody in that building believes that they can win. The question is, is Kirby Smart having to be more of a psychologist than a football coach with his kids? Because you're dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds, and you have to imagine that there's just that little ounce of self-doubt in the back of those players' minds. Hey, can we beat these guys? If something bad happens early, is it, all oh, here we go again? Or is it something where you just weather the storm and keep going? And so I think stay out of the way, coach your kids to prepare and be their best, and then when it comes game day, Turn them loose. Yeah, be confident, right? Be confident because yeah. of what you said, Tom. you got a great football team, an incredibly talented football team, and Kirby Smart mm -hmm. is a heck of a coach. Look, there's pressure in this game. There's no doubt about that. I don't think there's national pressure. He's not going to lose his job, but there's pressure around the Georgia fan base, and I think Kirby probably put some pressure on himself, having been a guy who's been there in those halls, grew up in Georgia. It was a great feature we saw. 41 years. That's a long drought, and there's nobody that wants to win this for that program, for that university, for that state, more than Kirby Smart himself. But be confident as you go in this football game. I think the other big thing for Kirby Smart, look, they've started well. Each of the last four times they've lost to Alabama, they've had leads. 
what they have to do is finish strong. We always talk about start fast, finish strong. To me, it's about what happens after halftime. How does this Georgia team, what adjustments will Kirby and his staff make coming out of halftime, regardless of what this game looks like, whether you have a lead or whether you're behind? And personally, I don't even know if it would be a bad thing if they are behind. We saw them with their backs against the wall against Michigan, and, man, they came out swinging. That's the biggest thing for me. Coming out of halftime, what's the mindset of this football team? What adjustments will Kirby and his staff make? We've seen them start fast against Alabama. Monday night, they're going to have to finish strong if Kirby's going to finally get that monkey off his back, beat Nick Saban, and win a national championship. Dusty, you make a good point. If history is any indication, it may serve them well to be behind just a bit. Again, it bears, it's, it's worth repeating three out of the four times they've lost to that team, they had a double-digit lead. So rather than starting strong, finishing strong will be the key thing for this Georgia team this time around. Uh, we do want to remind you that the College Football Playoff Foundation is the largest sports entity supporting educators in America. And ESPN is proud to continue the support of the CFP Foundation and its Extra Yard for Teachers Initiative, bringing college football together to show support for our teachers, recognizing all of their hard work. For more about Extra Yard for Teachers, follow at CFP Extra Yard on behalf of all of us, we say thank you to all the hardworking educators across the country. Still to come on College Football Live, there's a different but still important championship on the line. North Dakota State, Montana State battle it out for the FCS title, and we'll break down the details coming up. We'll have wall-to-wall -wall coverage from Indianapolis throughout Monday ahead of the College Football National Championship game. Of course, it's Georgia, it's Alabama. College Football Live, live from Indianapolis at 1.30. College game day will get you ready for kickoff, and you can finish up the night with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter. Coming up tomorrow, that's Saturday at noon on ESPN2, Montana State takes on North Dakota State. It's the FCS championship on the line. The Bison making their ninth championship appearance in the last 11 seasons, while Montana State is appearing in the title game for the first time since 1984. All right, Dusty, the FCS championship, what are we watching for in this one? Well, I'll tell you, and with that North Dakota State, they're 8-0 in those other national championship games. I had a chance to be there a couple of years ago, called the championship where they beat James Madison, Trey Lance, the quarterback, for the Bison. And I can tell you right now, they're going to pack that stadium full in Frisco. The Bison fans, they buy their tickets to get their hotels in the summertime because they know where they're going to go. For Montana State, what a run it's been. They go through Sam Houston State earlier in the postseason, but it's about the quarterback, true freshman, Tommy Mullet. Okay, this guy started no regular season games. He started all three in the postseason, 11 total touchdowns, a true dual threat. He's been fantastic. And then for North Dakota State, they've got an excellent fullback, Hunter Lupke, who can get it done running it and catching the football. Look, two, the two top uh, scoring defenses in all of FCS, two top running attacks. I think it's going to be close, but how can you not go with North Dakota State in this matchup? Should be a lot of fun tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I, I tell you, Dust, you know, with all this talk that we have about expansion and a playoff system and things of that nature, you just referenced Montana State goes on the road, all right, to what I think is arguably outside of North Dakota State, 
the toughest place to play at the SCS level in the last game of the season against Montana and they lose, right? Then they just go ripping through the playoffs with a freshman quarterback, go on the road and beat Sam Houston State, then have to beat South Dakota State right after that. It would not surprise me, given the type of season that this team has had late and how long this season has drug on, maybe, just maybe, Montana State has found some magic to pull off an upset. Yeah, Montana State has really had to kind of really like string this thing along. It hasn't been a nice steady ride for them, and yet they've still managed to make it to this point. Now, this North Dakota State team is still really, really good, right? Like you don't win eight out of the last 10 national championships for nothing. But I do think that this is going to be probably a closer game than some people think Montana State's really going to have to force them into some turnovers. I'm not sure if I'm ready to pick against North Dakota State, but I think this is going to be a great matchup. And honestly, this is, has been a really good story that's kind of flown under the radar this college football season. Yep. Yeah, no kidding. Think about that for a minute, guys. Eight out of the ten last national championships. I mean, uh, it's incredible. I wouldn't sleep on this game tomorrow, not by a long shot. And, of course, we've got that game and then Monday's game, which means we are wrapping up bowl season. So with that, we will take a look at our progressive bowl cup cha challenge cup. The Mountain West atop the standings, they're 5-1. and one. The American and Sun Belt right behind them. And within the Power Five, it's the Big 12 leading the way at 5-2. and two. The SEC guaranteed, of course, to finish 6-8 and because they'll win Monday night's game regardless. And the Pac-12 went over. They are winless. Still to come, Vegas has odds. Everybody else has opinions. That includes us. We will tell you who wins Monday night and why when we come back. We're going to remind you one more time, Monday, number three, Georgia facing number one, Alabama, 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. It's the college football playoff national championship game presented by AT&T coming to you from Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll have coverage all day, but clearly you can find it on every platform, TV, radio, digital, so many ways to watch and listen. But it's Friday. It's happening, guys. We're running out of time. Dusty, <laughs> I want to know who wins and give me a score. I can't wait to watch this matchup, and I'm probably crazy because I picked Georgia before the season started to win the national championship. I picked them to win the SEC title. I still haven't learned my lesson. Give me the dogs to finally get Ooh, over the I hump, like take down Nick Saban, <laughs> win the first national championship in 41 years. The mailman, Wendy, delivers big in Athens. Still okay, hasn't learned his lesson. I like it. Still hadn't learned his lesson. <laughs> I'm a fool, um, Tom. I'm a fool. I, listen, I, I, for your the exact reason you just stated, I'm actually going Alabama in a close one, 31-27. Now I, I felt all season long, like if 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 you are going to beat an Alabama or Georgia, I felt like you have to score at least 40 points. Are you capable of doing that? And the other team, Georgia or Alabama, would have to help you. You know, they fumble on the two yard line going in, or they give up a punt return for a touchdown or they throw a pick six, something uncharacteristic to their nature. I don't know if either of these two teams will do that on Monday night, but I don't think either of these two teams will score 40 or above. So I'm going 31-27. Alabama does not disappoint. Georgia may have the better team. Alabama has the three most impactful players in Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and Jamison Williams. 
Lugs, you got the score right. I'm also going 31-27, but I'm with Dusty. I'm going Georgia on this one. And it feels terrible picking against Nick Saban, man. I, uh, I'm not comfortable with this at all. However, I do think that they're going to get over the hump. They've got a second chance in this game. Last time they played a team twice in one season, Auburn, they lost the first time, came through the second time and got that win. I know Alabama's a different beast. I think the dogs will get it done. Listen, it's hard to beat Alabama on this big stage. I mean, Nick Saban's not Nick Saban for nothing. All right, Dusty, here's what I say. I, I think the mailman's fine, right? He's like the USPS in a blizzard. Like, it's not on time, but it gets in your mailbox, so it works. I think it's the Georgia defense that is the star. I'm going to go Bulldogs 14, Alabama 10. Oh. This is going to – yeah. You know what? Why Let's not? Go. We, we expect uh, We expect points early and often. I'm going to let defense – Defense. Have you paid attention to the mail down. system lately? I'm a coach's kid. I learned that early. <laughs> so there you go. Either way, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. We look forward to seeing you all from Indianapolis on Monday.